0: Thank you for listening to the Conformed to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I'm here with George Mays, and it is the first podcast of the year of 2023, kicking it off with a text-driven Tuesday from Ecclesiast or not Ecclesiastes? Not Ecclesiastes. No. From Hebrews. <laughs> yeah, I have Ecclesiastes pulled up in. Oh yeah, I wonder. Are you why. ready to go? I'm not ready to go. No. Is anyone ever really ready to go? Uh, just do the best we can. Yeah. Hebrews chapter 10. So grab Hebrews, your Bible, get ready to go. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> Did you have a good Christmas and New Year?
1: Um, not particularly. <laughs> Why not? Everyone got the flu. <laughs> right. Everyone got yeah. the flu. Yeah. Tuesday before Christmas, Roland got it, and then it just... Went down the line. Mm. That's rough. I got it to Tuesday after Christmas. While you were gone, yeah, we went to my parents' house, and I got sick the night we got there, and just felt good. Felt good enough to drive on the day we left, which was like Saturday. Uh, Friday. Okay, yeah. it's a long so, time. Yeah. So the entire time I was <laughs> yeah. at my parents' house. That's rough, dude. I was. You have it all uh, fever and all of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, started feeling really, you know, you know how you're you feel when you're you know you're getting sick. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Tuesday, I had 102. Dang man! Wow, that that was the worst. That was the worst day. It it started going <clears throat> down, but it wasn't until Friday that I was pretty much fever free so no it was sometimes not, it's like that it was not particularly enjoyable but uh for the most part the kids were doing okay josiah got sick while we were at my parents house so that was a bit of a bummer but the other three kids were doing okay mm. they, they'd already had it and were are we're over it um so yeah you know it just it just is what it is i mean yeah. i mean Providentially, that's that's just that's what that's happened. What happened? Um, I mean, it could have been worse.
0: Could have been. Could have been worse. I got sick one Christmas. Yeah. long ago, I uh, went. We went to eat at Red Lobster. It was the year after I, I believe it was the year we redeployed. So this would be two thousand seven. Were you
1: like? Were you like me and my family growing up? Red Lobster was fancy. Yeah. for me growing up, that's that, the was, fancy that was that was the that was the. <laughs> That's high class. Yeah. It,
0: it, now it's like now it's hmm. Golden Corral. <laughs> hey, now that you now that you grew up and you uh, and you got a, a hundred hour master's degree, <laughs> first class is Golden Corral. I can't get my wife to I can't get my wife to eat at Golden Corral. She doesn't. Uh, oh, doesn't want to go. That's funny. Uh, it, it was. I remember. Yeah, we'd go on Sunday sometimes, and, uh-huh. and and then when I when I was older, uh, after I moved out, my next big step up was Ruth Chris Steakhouse. You ever been there? I don't think so. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it was it was fancy. To be, it, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good though. I mean, there are obviously more expensive steakhouses, mm-hmm. but it's good. So, yeah. Well, sorry, I got sick. Yeah. So we go to Red Lobster Christmas Eve, <coughs> two thousand seven. And I got, I don't know if I got a bad shrimp or something, but I got food poison. <laughs> oh, man. And I was so sick, dude. Like uh, the yeah. the kind where you're like, mm-hmm. say like, all right, like I'm ready to die or make it stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was sick all Christmas morning, all Christmas day like that. Wow. And I didn't eat at Red Lobster again. I think it was, I think it was probably around 10 years mm. before I ate at a Red Lobster again.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that'll scar you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, how was your Christmas this year? Was it, was it good? Or yeah. I guess last year, pretty good. Yeah. So we had church, you know, on mm-hmm. Christmas morning. So yeah.
0: we did something we've never done before in our life, which <clears> was exchange presents on Saturday night. Mm-hmm. So Christmas Eve, we did our our present exchange. Uh-huh. We usually don't do that. Yeah. We usually will give out like the lamest gift of all on Christmas Eve. Yeah. You know, like socks or mm-hmm. a T-shirt or something and then we go I don't know, know, know
1: nowadays I could use some socks <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're always down for socks or you probably you probably need some mittens We need some mittens for you so whenever you need to get to work you okay. can like pull the fingers out Uh-huh That's what you need. Yeah. You can be wearing those in here during yeah. the podcast.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah. All right. Yeah, <laughs> we did we did Christmas on uh, on Saturday evening also. You know, it's it's so funny we we didn't I don't know if we talked about it a whole lot on the podcast, we talked about it off podcast, you know, churches talking about canceling and, yeah. um, which, uh, I didn't see, I didn't see any churches here. I
0: don't, I don't think any churches around here did. It. Yeah, it, was it, it was
1: more of the, the, the mega churches yeah. that were doing it. And they were acting like it was such an inconvenience. We, we just opened presents on Saturday night and we did stockings on Sunday morning and yeah. it was, it was fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't a huge inconvenience. You just, you know, that I guess sun, it, you know Sunday is is the Lord's day, and you're you're going to get up and go to church, and so you just you just go make accommodations. I
0: think it's probably an inconvenience, like if people just really don't want to go. Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I just rather sleep in. Yeah, that's you know they need a day off though, George. It's it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> have right. It's Christmas time, and you got services sometimes on Saturday. So your people need a break, so you just give them Sunday off. Yep, makes total sense, right? Yeah, but well, we're back in Hebrews, back in Hebrews, um, in chapter ten, which I I was um, it was interesting to me to find something out about you, a little extra. Oh yeah, from the sermon. Yeah, you 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 shared a deep insight from yourself. Did I? <laughs> Yeah, or I don't know if that's the right word, but
1: deep inside, one talk. of your favorites—that
0: mm-hmm. this is your favorite chapter in
1: the whole Bible. Um. Well, I, in the whole Bible, I don't know. In the whole Bible, well, but in the whole you book said of this Hebrews. is your favorite
0: book in the Bible. This is my favorite book, and then you said this is your favorite chapter mm-hmm. in
1: the book. Yeah. So what am I to conclude? You know, it's uh, it's hard to compete with like Romans eight or Isaiah fifty three.
0: Mm. That's true.
1: But in the – in, I mean, the book of Hebrews is the undisputed <laughs> champion for me. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I love the book of Hebrews. I love the way that it brings the whole Bible together. When you're done preaching this, are you going to have some type of depression? Man, I had someone ask me that last night <laughs> at the members meeting. <laughs> to see, this is why I'm
0: I'm holding off on Romans. I'm like, after I do Romans, yeah, it's, it's, am I going to question like, well, what do I do now with Romans? <laughs> You know what I mean. So I'm like holding that one. You are
1: the second person that's asked me that. Yeah. Yeah. I had someone. I had one of our members ask me that at the member at the uh, at the uh, uh, fellowship mill Mm -hmm. last night. I don't know. I don't know what I'm. I don't know. I'm just. I'm. I'm excited that I. I mean, we're not done yet. Yeah. (laughs) I could die today. I hope that you'll finish the book if (laughs) if I if I do um it's it's just exciting to be able to preach through it i mean it's it's just been really enjoyable to to dig in and spend time with this book yeah i I hope that it's been beneficial for the church also i hope it's not just me you know having a good time having a good time (laughs) uh teaching through it I, i hope that it's it's beneficial for the church because the book is is given for a very practical purpose. Mm -hmm. It's these Christians are being persecuted and they're being tempted to, to leave Christianity. That's a very practical problem. Um, We we see that in our culture, people, you know, quote unquote deconstructing. It's just a, (laughs) that's just a modern word for apostasy. Mm -hmm. They're they're leaving Mm -hmm. Christianity. Right. And they're leaving it for a variety of reasons. Um, mainly because the culture is pressuring them to adopt unbiblical worldviews, and so something's got to give. And they're it's, they're not re- they're not truly converted, and so they're they're right. they're not going to be committed to the faith. So they're leaving. Uh, the Book of Hebrews is written for actual Christians to. Um, Lay out before them the superiority of Christ and His work, mm. and to urge them and warn them. We're going to get to a warning in a few weeks. Um, one of the strongest warnings in the book is is coming up, um, warning them, "Don't leave." That's that's very practical, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's all it's all laid out with this um, this really rich theology mm-hmm. of the whole Bible.
0: Yeah. So now in this section, um, we've come to the portion where we're talking about the superiority of Christ's uh, sacrifice. So would you say this is like the ultimate, like the culmination of his arguments?
1: I think so. At this point? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So um, the end of 10 is going to to wrap up the argument that began back in chapter four, verse fourteen. So, um, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday, we're gonna we're gonna hit the bookends, uh-huh. um, and we'll we'll bounce back and forth because we'll see how he began the argument and how he ends the argument, right. um, with drawing, with with confidently drawing near um, to God uh-huh. because of what Christ has done. So we've we've got these bookends. Um, and so, chapter ten is the the culmination of the argument. So he's he's been building up to this climactic moment, uh-huh. um, which so he he begins with just talking about Christ's qualifications as high priest. Um, he's after the order of Melchizedek. Um, he ministers in the heavenly temple. He mediates a better covenant, and it's because of his better sacrifice. Uh-huh. And it all it all comes to a head with uh, with the sacrifice of Christ, which is once for all.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Yep. Very good. Very good. Um, and and after chapter, two, so he'll 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 in that argument he'll give a warning. We'll have an, uh, the uh, the the fourth warning passage, and then he'll give uh, the exhortation that ends the the chapter, and then there will there will be kind of a shift because he'll, he'll go into chapter 11 and and um, talk about the faithful uh-huh. throughout the, the scriptures. And then he'll get into like the really specific um, application, application okay. heavy. Yeah.
0: All right. Good. Awesome. Well, we'll jump in. And before we do, you want to read the passage for us? Yeah. So if you have a Bible, Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 1. Okay.
1: Let's
0: And you had two main points that you were driving at here, um, that you wanted to, or that you framed this, I think, according to the flow, but also to help us um, to follow along. <coughs> the
1: first, <clears throat> hopefully, it was it was really easy for the the congregation to see.
0: Yeah, I think it's right there. You used keywords. Mm-hmm. From the text which is good so yeah. verses 1 through 4 you say uh this is about this sacrifices of the law are but a shadow mm-hmm. yeah. okay um and we've we've encountered similar shadow typology type language as mm-hmm. well in chapter 8 verse 5 which you told us about the temple and the priests are shadows and now the focus here is that the sacrifice itself mm-hmm. is but a shadow right so I liked one illustration that you gave about this, and maybe you can unpack it once, once I uh, tell them what it was. You said that you heard this, and I can't remember if you said you heard it or you came up with it. If you came up with it, good job because I liked it. <laughs> if not, uh, whoever came up with it, good job. It's like an outline of a masterpiece of an artwork. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's from uh, that's from Gordon Fee. Okay, in his, uh, his commentary. Yeah, I like that because I, you know. I used to dabble in, sometimes I do. If I have to be just the perfect right mood to like draw something, mm-hmm. you know? But yeah, an outline is, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, well, yeah. you, no one stops and goes, what a masterpiece, and stops, <laughs> it, you know, and <laughs> right. contemplates it yeah. on the wall for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great illustration. So tell us how, how this author is using this shadow typology language to help, and what does he
1: want us to understand? Mm-hmm. Now the the shadow is like you said. It's it's just this outline. Uh, you can you can uh, you can picture an, an artist with his easel, and he's you know um, drawing lines and and circles, and and there's not it, you're you're not sure exactly what it's going to be. Uh-huh. Um, th- that's what the law is like. <clears throat> it contains the shadow. It contains the sketch. It, uh, it contains the promises. Mm. We've, we've talked about the, the promises and the fulfillments. They're not the same thing. right? The, the law, the old covenant, it contains um, the, uh, the sketch, the outline of what's going to come, but it's not until the new covenant comes that we see the masterpiece. Mm. Um, there, there is a, a big difference between the, the artist that's just in the, the beginning sketches of his picture and the filled in masterpiece that he yeah. puts in a museum, uh-huh. right? All the colors and all the shades, and and uh, and you see the the completed picture. Uh-huh. So that's the uh, that's what's going on between the the uh, the shadows and the, the true form of these realities. Uh-huh. Um, that uh, that word, the the word, the Greek word that's translated here um, in two English words, the true form uh-huh. is the word icon. Um and that word is used by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 4, Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 talking about Christ. Christ is the icon of the invisible God. He's the image of the invisible God. Um now what does that mean? Paul is not saying that he's um you know a sketch outline of mm-hmm. God. He's saying that when you see Jesus, you see the Father. Yeah, same thing that Jesus says mm-hmm. in uh, in John, right? Uh, his disciples say, "Just show us the Father, and it will be enough." And Jesus says, "If you've seen me, you have seen the Father. He's not He's not a sketch of the Father. He is the icon. He is the exact image, representation, likeness mm. of God. Um, he's the fullness, right? Um, and so the law is is the shadow." The new covenant is the reality. It's the full image, likeness, um, body. Um, Paul uses this language of shadow in Colossians chapter 2, where he says, don't let anyone pass judgment on you um, according to food or drink or um, uh, festivals or new moons or Sabbaths. Uh-huh. These are but a shadow, same word that's used here in, in Hebrews, but the reality, or he uses the word body, soma, uh-huh. uh, the body is Christ. Oh. Um, so all of these Old Testament festivals, Passover, okay. um, Day of Atonement, they're <clears throat> shadows, uh-huh. they're outlines. Right. They give a, they give a, the people of Israel in the Old Testament – um, an idea of what's coming, but Christ is the reality. Uh-huh. In him all of these shadows um, come to fulfillment They, they come yeah. to light yeah right. um, And so he's he's talking about the sacrificial system. The law has just a shadow of the good things to come. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the implication for these these Christians is don't go back to the shadows. Yeah. Don't, don't leave. Don't leave Christianity to go back to um, the types, because that they're not. They were never meant to be an end in themselves. Right. They they never were meant to be the um, the the final reality. Uh-huh. They were always meant to point to something greater. Right. Yeah. And, and the and the saints in the Old Testament, they um, they would have understood this. Right. And they they would have understood that the sacrificial system is not in itself the end goal, mm. and we'll we'll pick up on that in just a second okay. with the way he uh, he quotes Psalm forty
0: right now okay so here here is a foreseeable question that I think some people may have had as they as you're going through um, the text says it can never be it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near otherwise and then the explanation why why can't it be made why can't you be made perfect by these sacrifices otherwise they would not have to be ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sin so if in Christ, we are, uh, can be made perfect, and that's the superiority, and it does cleanse from the consciousness of sin, then does that mean that we become perfect and never sin? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's not the... Because sometimes people's consciousnesses Mm -hmm. will... Bother uh, them,
1: bother them, mm-hmm. and they'll be
0: aware that they have
1: sinned. Right.
0: So, how do we square this with this?
1: Yeah, the the idea of of um, they they would no longer have any consciousness of sin. So, we have to understand what what's going on in the context of of the the passage. We can't um, import a definition that's foreign to what he's he's arguing. Okay. Right. Um, so, when he says there won't be any consciousness of sin, he's he doesn't mean that you're gonna have some kind of amnesia and you're not going to remember that you sinned anymore. Right? Um, the idea of perfection has been picked, uh, we, we've seen that already. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've talked about that, um, chapter seven, verse 11. Um, now, if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, um, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek? Um, we talked about the fact that the Levitical priest, um, under the law they couldn't bring perfection uh-huh. um, that idea of perfection is this unimpeded um, unbroken access and fellowship to God so the Le- the Levitical priests couldn't do that uh-huh. and we we see that he he says it very clearly um, in verse 19 he says for the law made nothing perfect it the law did not bring unbroken access to God uh-huh. Um why? <laughs> well, um, we go back to chapter nine, and we see that there's a barrier. Um, the tabernacle itself prevents the people from unbroken access to God. Right. Yes, they're separated. Uh, that, there's there's a curtain. even though they're
0: close, they're separated mm-hmm. from Him.
1: Even even within the priesthood, there's a curtain that divides all of the priests from the high priest. Yeah, um, he can only and he can only go into access with right. God. Uh, one time a year mm-hmm. um, there there's this broken yeah different layers of barriers right? mm-hmm. moving all the way out to the court of the Gentiles right and that that's what the consciousness of sins is it's this consciousness that there is something between me and God uh, and in the old in the Old Covenant sacrificial system it's a, a visual it's a visual barrier I mean there there's an actual curtain that you cannot pass Mm-hmm. Uh-huh and um so when they bring their their sacrifices so he's he's probably got the day of atonement still in mind he he had the day of atonement at the end of chapter 9 so he 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 still has that so when he talks about the yearly sacrifices of bulls and goats that's the sacrifice for the day of atonement uh-huh. this this one one time a year sacrifice where the the high priest can take the blood into the holy of holies and atone for the sins of the people Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Well, the people can see him sacrifice the the bull and the goat out out in the courtyard by the altar, but then he disappears. Yeah, um, and they they can't follow him. They can't go in. They can't they can't see what's happening. Um, there's there is a barrier, and um, you you cannot you you cannot get behind that barrier. Mm-hmm. So there is this visual reminder of the people. There's something between me and God, and even these animal sacrifices can't. They're not doing it. Yeah the the high, the that, great high priest doesn't offer the sacrifice and then pull the curtain back. Everybody can come in. Right. Right. Even after he offers the sacrifice, so the the curtain's still there. So what they are doing is they are if someone by faith
0: in God's <clears throat> promises. They are taking away their guilt, their sin guilt, mm-hmm. but as you said, they they don't have immediate, close access to God. The closest is the high priest, yeah. and even only him once a year. Yeah. Um, so the question then naturally arises: What then do the sacrifices do? Do mm-hmm. they do? What's their purpose? Why did God put this in in the
1: first place? Right. What's the point? What are the things they do? Yeah, we certainly don't want to read this and say, "Well, the the old covenant was bad, mm. or the law was bad, or the sacrifices were bad," um, because God in, in instituted these at Mount Sinai. Yeah, he, He's the one that gave them the law with the tabernacle and the priesthood and the animal sacrifices. He He gave them; they're good. Um, but what this tells us, it puts them in in their rightful place. Um, it, it, uh, it reminds us that the law and the sacrificial system were uh, simply a waypoint in the history of redemption. They weren't the goal. Um, it, it, Sinai was not the end. They were still to anticipate something greater. The, the sacrifices were simply a picture. So what the sacrifices did is that they reminded the people of the seriousness of sin. Something has to die. So every time they, you know, uh, cut the throat of of a lamb, they're reminded that should be me, mm. right? Um, but there's also futility to it because it's repeated over and over and over again. That's the weakness that he points to here in in chapter ten. Is that if if these sacrifices could bring perfection, they would cease. Mm-hmm. The, the very fact that they're repeated is the evidence that um, these are not satisfactory for the atonement of sin they, they don't actually right, take right. they don't take it away if they took it away then they wouldn't you wouldn't have to keep going back over yeah. and over and over again. So one commentator that I read said that the sacrificial system was like um, it was like a never-ending merry-go-round yeah you're, you're on you're on the merry-go-round and you're just going around in a circle and yeah. uh, you know, you yeah. might like it for a little bit but <laughs> you eventually want to get up cuz you're not going anywhere you you don't get anywhere well i think i
0: think uh when when people hear it shows the seriousness of sin how the, how our modern ears hear that is we all go yeah yeah sin's a bad thing right mm. but what you're getting at is it's the seriousness of you mm. your sin yeah so it reveals to you over and over and over and over mm mm-hmm. mhm And over your depravity, that
1: that you... Even the sacrificial system was a personal event. Um, You took a lamb from your flock, and you brought it to the priest, and you laid your hand on its head and confessed your sin, and then the priest killed it. Yes, (laughs) and and you do it all the
0: time. And so the impact, you can try to place yourself as in back then, Mm. you know? Picture your picture yourself there. Um every year, you, your sin, mm-hmm. the reminder, God's separate from you and it's your fault. Yeah. So then Th- this is the whole it has to create some type of longing for yeah. for, for for to you know, you for fit, the Messiah. Yeah,
1: you fit you fit it into the big story. Um the the tabernacle and later the temple were supposed to be um a representation of Eden. Mm-hmm of this place where god is. And so there's there's pictures of of fruit and animals and angels and and you're supposed to go you're supposed to you're supposed to think this is this is where god is in the garden. And you go back to Genesis chapter 3 and you're reminded god actually walked with adam in the garden. And now because of sin Adam has been exiled and the cherubim are are standing at the the entrance, blocking the way to the tree of life, right? Blocking the way to God. Mm-hmm. And the the tabernacle is is simply picking up that story. The the tabernacle, the holy of holies, that's where God is. That's where God walks with his people. But there's a barrier. And the only way that you can get close to God is is something has to die. Mm. But um, there's got to be a sense of, of, of weakness to this. I deserve to die. I'm not a goat. Right. I'm not a lamb. I'm not a bull. And the, the evidence of this is the fact that it's just repeated over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it, it does produce this longing for the seed of the woman who will come and actually bring access to God, and the so the the first the first purpose of the the sacrifices are to remind the people this is what sin deserves, um, but the second is to be a picture. It's it's to be that sketch. All right. So in order to get to God, something has to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but these animals, there's there's a difference between me and an animal. Yeah. Um, this this animal. Um, is not is not an equal. It's not an equal sacrifice. Right? There's yeah. There's an imbalance here. Um, and so I have to keep. I have to keep doing it. I have to keep doing it over and over and over again. Um, something greater has to come, and it's gonna have to be a. It's gonna have to be a person, mm-hmm. because I'm a person. The only way that I can I can have my sin atoned for, because I deserve death, is something of equal or greater value uh-huh. than me is gonna to have to die. Uh-huh. And so the, the sacrifices are intended to point to a greater sacrifice, one that will actually bring perfection or um, a, an end to the consciousness of sins, that, that, that sense of separation from God. Someone is going to have to come and actually bring me to God uh-huh. to actually bring that unbroken access. And it's not the sacrificial system. That's just a shadow. The reality is found in Christ. And that's the second part of your sermon, Mm -hmm. five through 10. Uh, The
0: outline, the way you said it, I believe is the reality to which the sacrifice sacrifices were pointing. Mm
1: -hmm. Is that right? I get it? Uh, It's the true form or the reality is found in Christ. Okay. Yeah. So the the law, the sacrifices of the law are shadow. The reality is Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, that's just uh, it's just language from verse one. Yeah. Um. So the the sacrifices they never were intended to be the end. God promised something greater. So kind of the heart of this section is Psalm
0: the quote the quote of Psalm forty verses six through eight. And you said it was interesting to you because it, the author here puts the words on Jesus's mouth. Yeah. Even though obviously mm-hmm. David wrote this psalm. Yeah. But.
1: The author says this was on Jesus' mouth. This is uh, what he said. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, the incarnation, mm-hmm. he said, and then he quotes Psalm forty, and oh, yeah. I, I find that to be really fascinating. Why the way he, that he uses Psalm forty, he actually has, he actually says these are the words of Jesus. Right.
0: When he came into the world, he said, mm-hmm. "Do you think this was perhaps um, something that, like he he actually."
1: Used it as a teaching. He might have, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have. I mean, we don't John, have everything. The end, the end of John says yeah, if, of he, John if he says. did. If if everything was written down that he did, I, I suppose yeah. all the books in the world couldn't mm. contain them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, just taught? just like he used um, Isaiah sixty-one, uh-huh. you know, in his first sermon yeah. in Nazareth, um, it's it's possible that he I used imagine Psalm 40 and, when he went around preaching everywhere, it was a lot of this. Oh yeah. A lot of it, yeah. Um, but the difference between Isaiah sixty-one, which is it actually is ascribed to the suffering servant, mm-hmm. the servant of the Lord, says this right. um, in the first person. Uh, the difference is that Psalm forty is, in its context, it's it's obviously David's words. Yeah. Um, so there's that's I think is the the difference between those two. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say Isaiah sixty-one, that's a direct. Prophecy about Jesus, uh-huh. um, Psalm forty. The superscript itself says it's of David. Then it's in first person, um, and then verse twelve it even talks about um, David being overwhelmed by his sin. Uh-huh. Um, so we have to we have to do a little bit more work than simply say, "Well, this is just a direct prophecy," mm-hmm. and the whole the whole psalm is just. It's all about it's right. about Jesus right, right. in its original context. Um, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's what's going on. Uh, okay, so
0: <clears throat> I guess the question is, what is going on? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, You like my interview skills. Uh, I I love them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the heart the heart of what he gets at in in this this psalm is that God desires obedience. Mm-hmm. Obedience, yeah. which Christ comes and gives perfectly. Mm-hmm. But the question that everyone wants to know is, what is going on?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> so let's let's hear that. And I think that this was a good um, this was a good um, opportunity to to teach a little bit about how to read the Psalms. Okay. Um, and I love I love how how God just kind of providentially put this together because we're going through we have a Wednesday night prayer meeting mm-hmm. and we're going through the Psalms mm-hmm. and just providentially the one. Last Wednesday was Psalm Forty, so we we were able to look at it, so the people that came on Wednesday were able to to see Psalm Forty in its entirety. Um, and so, the sermon was a little bit of a a, a repeat of, yeah. of what they what they heard. So, but it was helpful for me because I was able to to actually study the Psalm in itself and how it fits into Hebrews chapter ten. So, the the book of Psalms, I think is best understood as telling the story of of redemption, um, starting with David. And we see that Psalm, Psalm 2, and it's the Davidic covenant, um, the, the son who is established on the throne. Right. Um, and the book of Psalms is divided into five books, and I think each of those books is telling a piece of that story. Mm-hmm. And I think that book one, um, the background to that is for Samuel um, which is the anointing of David and then his subsequent suffering under King Saul and so Psalm 40 is at the end of that book so we're we're um to the point where uh, Saul is killed and David is established as the king of Israel and I think that's what Psalm 40 is about okay so God has given these promises to David, but over all of these years, he's known nothing but running for his life. And now, finally, the promise is fulfilled. Okay, Um, Saul is killed, David becomes king, and so he praises God in verses 1 through 5 of, of Psalm 40 for how God has established him. So you think that first part he's referencing Saul's disobedience um so I think verses one through five is um simply him praising God for the long awaited uh-huh. deliverance yeah um but Saul, uh verses six through nine or six through eight, which is what Hebrews ten deals with I think um we have a reference to Saul's disobedience in first Samuel chapter fifteen
0: yeah, that's what I was getting at yeah yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so in sacrifices and offerings you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book; it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Um, if you, uh, if you, uh, I think you have to know your Bible <laughs> to right. understand the Psalms, um, you know, fully. Uh, you go back to First Samuel chapter fifteen. Samuel has um, commanded Saul to go and wipe out the Amalekites.
0: Yeah, he has like
1: he has war instructions.
0: Yeah, and he's to wipe. He's, and he's put, not only to defeat all the the army; he's to kill all the cattle and livestock. He's to put them and under and the uh, under
1: the curse, under the ban. Yeah, right. Everything's supposed to be destroyed. A
0: question may arise: Why? And I have an explanation. I don't know if you do. <laughs> I, I think that these tribes defiled their animals. In bestiality and things, Mm. because this these things are mentioned. Mm. Uh, You have you have child sacrifice, and you have uh, you have child sacrifice, homosexuality, bestiality. Mm. These things are going on. Witchcraft. Yeah. So they've defiled the whole society. Mm. That's the I think that's why they're devoted to destruction Mm. in that way. Okay. Because they're not always right. Not all of them are right. So that's just a theory of mine.
1: Mm. Um, it could just be retru- retribution. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Samuel tells Saul at the beginning of chapter 15, "Go and wipe them out." Because when Israel came out of Egypt, mm. the Amalekites attacked the the back of the camp. So I they see, yeah. so they attack the old people, the sick people, the right. weak, the weak people, um, and so they get justice. Yeah, right? you you attacked Israel. Well, now God's wrath is coming on you mm-hmm. um, in the fullness, but. I don't know. Right. Um,
0: well, obviously, that is the reason why they're getting it. Right, right. But I'm just trying yeah. to figure out why, cause Yeah, all, not, not all, all of them. the mm-hmm. tribes get that treatment. Right, right. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. Um, I'm sure somebody wrote a PhD about it. Probably. It's sure not going to be me.
1: You can drop it in the comments if you know of one. Um, so he's supposed to wipe everything out. But he spares King Agag, and he spares the best of the flocks. What a name, King Agag. King Agag, yeah. Just makes interesting. You make, just makes you want to punch him in the face. Chasing chasing rabbits a little bit. When you get to the <laughs> Book of Esther, um, Haman is called an Agagite. Oh goodness! Um, I think he's an uh, I think he's an Amalekite. Like the whole the whole the, the villain of Esther is only alive because King Saul doesn't wipe all the Amalekites out. I think that's what's. I think that's the sin. That, that's this, that's sin. This, the
0: it has generational consequences. The consequences.
1: The consequences of disobedience. Yeah, yeah. It ripples um, through space time. So Samuel shows up. Saul says, "I've done what God told me to do." And Samuel, one of the best lines in the Old Testament, "What is the bleeding of sheep that I hear?" <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sa- Saul, he, you know, he tries to. Weasel his way out. Well, you know, uh, we did everything that you told us to do. We just kept back the best of the flocks to sacrifice to God, mm-hmm. and then Samuel says what I think David is referencing. He says, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of divination and presumption is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Mm. So I think David in Psalm 40, he is referencing that, there is the king who thought that the sacrifices were what God required, who has mm-hmm. been rejected. And David says, behold, I've come to do your will. He's the king who comes yeah. to be obedient. Yeah. So he sets himself up as as um, in opposition to King Saul. And the whole idea is that God does not require these sacrifices as, a, as an end in themselves. That was not what God required. Yes. He, he didn't want... Um, he, he's not like the pagan gods. Right. The pagans would offer animal sacrifices because their gods were hungry.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yahweh's not like that. Mm-hmm. He doesn't require these animal sacrifices because he likes animal meats, right? right. Or, yeah. or needs animal sacrifices. He, he gave the animal sacrifices as a means by which Israel, when they sinned, are able to worship him. Um, but... They're, they're are a means to that fellowship, they're not an end. Right? Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so David, he he's um he is the king who comes to do the will of God. And so he understands that the sacrificial system, even though it's it's in accordance with the law, it's not it's not what God ultimately desires. What God right. ultimately desires is for a king who's obedient. Mm-hmm. um and, and the- da- David knows uh, he he says behold he says uh, behold I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me I think often we think of these Old Testament Saints as if they live in some kind of vacuum David knows the promises of uh Genesis chapter 49 uh numbers chapter 24 that this king is going to come from Judah and he's going to rule over Israel and he he has to have read it and and said, I'm a king from Judah. <laughs> I'm, here I am. Behold, I've come, as ah. it's written of me in the, in the scroll of the book. But he also knows, because of the promises of God, that one of his sons is going to sit on the throne forever. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's not saying, I'm the Messiah. Um, he's still looking forward to this greater king who's going to come, who's not coming to offer animal sacrifices. He's coming to do the will of God. Yes. So I think that's what, I think understanding the the passage in its original context helps us to understand how the author of Hebrews is using it. For sure. Um, he's, he is saying um, David's greater son uh-huh. is the ultimate fulfillment of Psalm 40. Yes. And he's the one who comes not to give animal sacrifices. He's not just going to be another king who offers animal sacrifices because of sin. He is going to come to do the will of God mm-hmm. in the ultimate sense right um, and so in that in that interpretation the the author of Hebrews can put these words on Jesus's lips when he comes into the world he says um, in uh, in sacrifice and offering you have not delighted um, but you have a body prepared for me and uh, I didn't have time to to talk about all the the issues here. Um, the if you're looking at Psalm 40, it obviously says you've given me an open ear. Mm-hmm. Literally, you've an ear you've dug for me. That's a interesting picture. <laughs> but in Hebrews, it's you prepared for me a body. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's using the the Septuagint. He's using the Greek translation. Which is interesting. I actually discovered that there's textual variants even in the Septuagint. Really? Some, sep- some uh, versions of the Septuagint keep the Hebrew mm-hmm. that you've given me an ear. And then there's others that um, the author of Hebrews is using that says a body. Interesting. There's actually um, a theory that those versions of the Septuagint were um, made to match Hebrews. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, huh. so so some people think that the author of Hebrews changes what the Septuagint says to a body. And then some Christians made made, it. made versions of the Septuagint that matched that translation. Hmm. I don't think that's the case. I think what's going on is that the ear is um, part of the body. Mm-hmm. The, the the whole purpose is I've come to do your will you hear with your ear and then you do with your body uh-huh and I think that's I, I think it's just the the part standing for the whole right I, it's, I think we that's, know the distinction
0: you're <laughs> you're you're listening but <laughs> you're not you're not hearing me yeah yeah right if you right. were hearing me then you would have responded right yeah we say something similar mm-hmm.
1: yeah so I, I think that's the easiest explanation for why the why Hebrews has body instead of ear? Okay. is that the the ear was just standing for the whole body? Hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, the person the, of action. So the mm-hmm. author of Hebrews, Obedience. the author of Hebrews, just makes it clear, just makes it explicit. Okay. Yeah. Um. And also ties into the fact that um, it's the body of Christ that um, takes away our sin. Right. So it's the offering of His body, which he he says in in verse ten. So
0: here, just unpack it in bullets. Bam, bam, bam. Mm -hmm. Perfect sacrifice, Mm -hmm. perfect obedience, Mm -hmm. perfect human body sacrifice, because that he already alluded to. Mm -hmm. Now, application then. Yeah. How then? What is the application then for us?
1: um that it's uh the reality is found in Christ so all of these animal sacrifices they are, they can't take away sin because they were always pointing to Christ um kind of bridging that that gap for us because to them it's obvious don't go back right that's what he's saying he's making so for yeah, us for us we're not we're not you know I don't, tempted I don't, to don't think back. there's I don't think there's going to be people that are tempted to go and offer animal sacrifices um, to God. But we're tempted to think that our good works yeah. can can do it, uh-huh. um, that our religious rituals can do it. If I make sure I'm in church every time the doors are opened, if I read my Bible enough or pray enough or give enough or serve enough, then that will atone for my sin. Uh-huh. That, that will appease my guilty conscience. And what we, what we see in this passage is that if the God instituted sacrificial system of the old covenant is weak and powerless to take away sin, then what hope do we have to invent something that's going to do anything better? Yeah, right. Like yeah. you, like you, you can't. If you break the law and you go before a judge, you don't get to set the terms. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you don't. You don't get to say, well. I know I've I know I've committed this crime. Um, here's a list of things that I'll do, and you'll let me go. Mm-hmm. The, the judge would be like, "Nah, right. <laughs> that's not that's not the way it works." Mm-hmm. Um, ha, how much more before God? We we just we have this insolence. We think that we can set the terms. We can we can come with with our list of things that I'll do, and that'll make you happy. Yeah, and. The the very animal sacrifices that God established are weak and powerless. Mm-hmm. There's no amount of good works that you're going to be able to do to accomplish this. Yeah. Right? Um, so Christ comes and He brings a body that's been prepared for Him, and He comes to do God's will, and it's by that will we read in verse 10 that we're sanctified. Yeah. So it's not, it's not anything. we're not even in the passage, <laughs> we're, not, <laughs> we're not even in Hebrews chapter 10, yeah, yeah. Uh, verses 1 through 10. It's all about Jesus mm. and what God has done by sending Jesus and what Jesus has done by being perfectly obedient. He didn't come to do um, more animal sacrifices. He didn't come just to step in and do more of the same. He came... According to the will of God, to offer his own body for the sins of his people, yeah, yeah. and so application trust in christ <laughs> trust in christ right um don't don't think that it's Jesus plus something else that I can do. it's not Jesus plus if i you know if I complete this list, it's Christ alone, right, yeah, yeah. Good stuff,
0: George. All right.
1: Uh, and verse ten. I mean, it really um, it there is finality to it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. By that will, he has sanctified. Mm-hmm. That's that is a, a a past event. Right. Right. Now, when we when we think about sanctification, we often think about that um, ongoing process of being made holy. Yes. D- but it depends on how it's being made. Context, yeah. right. And we'll we'll see that Later. Um, it, next week mm-hmm. because he'll use sanctification, I think, in that ongoing process right. um, idea. But in this one, he means the, the one-time event of God setting us aside as holy. Yeah, yeah. And that comes through not our works and not through animal sacrifices. It comes through the sacrifice of Christ's body once for all. Mm-hmm. And so all we have to do is trust in Christ. We'd abandon any, any works, works righteousness. Yeah. Um, because the, the only thing that can atone for our sin is, is Jesus. I just Yeah, right over real there. Big.
0: <laughs> oh, <Cool. laughs> um, Good, George. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, just think about the who this applies to, too, as we're closing this out. I'll shut it down. I guess I've got to—that's my burden to bear as I interview you, closing this out. Uh, for those people who are not Christians and that are your friends, I mean, you just think about this. They have some type of a system they've created to pacify their conscience. Mm-hmm. And usually that involves some form of God-making. They may borrow terms from Christianity, God, Jesus, all of these things. But they have they've created their own system to where they could try to appease their conscience and think they're good and all right with God. Yeah. Um, and so I think you just take them back to what the Bible says, and, and you just ask questions like, look, if if this is what had to take place, like you were saying, If God went to this extreme even to provide for you uh, the means to which you could be sanctified, justified, and right with God, is there not like some level of arrogance? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know how you get there with a friend, but I think you need to get there. (laughs) Because most people don't think it's an arrogant thing, Mm -hmm. but it is the most arrogant thing.
1: Oh, yeah. If, If there was anything else that we could do, don't you think God would have just told us that instead of sending his son? Right. he he loves his son Jesus is the 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 treasure mm-hmm. um and God loves him he is his only begotten son right if there was some other way right like if there's a plan B that that is just as good don't you think that God would have done that instead of <laughs> sending Christ <laughs> right. to suffer I mean even okay. Jesus prayed if it's possible let this cup pass from me yeah, and and Jesus always has his prayers answered. I think we need to to understand that when Jesus prays to his Father, his Father answers him. Mm-hmm. Um, he he even says, "You always listen to me." Yeah. Um, so if there was another way, if if it was possible for the the cup to pass, don't you think it would? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but it didn't. He he had to drink the cup of God's wrath. On the cross, mm-hmm. because that was the only way. So for us to uh, to imagine that there's something mm. else, or that we can add something to it, yeah, like what what are we doing? Adding to the perfection of Christ? Yeah, you can't add to perfection. Um,
0: but yeah, that's that's exactly what's going on. I mean, how could how could you one day you know you'll stand before God, <laughs> and the the people that do this, they don't understand what they're saying. Is they think they're better than Jesus. Mm. That's what they're doing. Like, here's the best, but you're not going to have him because you'll do it your way. Mm -hmm. You think you're better than him. You think you're better than Jesus. Then Mm -hmm. there are those who think that they're so bad, their sin is so terrible, their sin is better than Jesus. Mm. Like, God would never forgive me because I'm a terrible person. Like, some people, they're under this guilt, but then they're like, well, here's Jesus. He'll forgive you. God would never forgive what I've done. Mm. Like, you're saying Jesus isn't good enough either. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like they're polar opposites with the same error, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So he is he is the only hope, and he is the once for all perfect sacrifice. So. Yep. Well, good, George. How many? How many are you going to do in a row? Uh, I've got four more. Four more. Yep. All right. Four Looking more. forward to it. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in uh, to Text Driven Tuesday. It's good to be back. I don't know what we're going to do Thursday. We've got a couple of things. There are all kinds of stuff happening over Uh We also have something we kind of would like to plan and do that might be helpful to a lot of people. I don't know. We'll see. We'll throw it around. You'll just have to come back Friday and find out what happened. So thanks for tuning in. If this is beneficial to you, please like, subscribe, share with your friends. Podcast is actually growing. It grew a lot this past year. Thank you for that. That was due to you, the listener, and those who watch us on YouTube. Let's keep that going. Uh, We want more people to hear about Christ and more Christians. We want to help you to be more and more conformed into his image. So we'll see you next time.